Hello, listeners of Screw. We're just going to talk about comics. This is Will Hines. And this is Kevin Hines. And we're f- about to start an episode. Yeah, and we just have a little correction to make that we uh, we say at the beginning of this episode that it's a mutants and mailbags uh, episode, but we don't do the mailbag. I think technically true still. I guess it is true. This is in our series that we call Mutants and Mailbags, where we go over X Men yeah. comics and then read mail. But we ran out of time, and we don't do mail in this episode. Right? It's a Mutants and Mailbag where we don't do a mailbag. <laughs> yeah. So the t- also we we cover an FF comic. No, he's <laughs> covering mutants. We do talk about the mutants, but we don't do a mailbag this episode. Yeah. And so just a, even though right after the theme music, we at that time think we are going to be doing mail, but yeah. we don't. End we talk up doing too mail. long about the mutants. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but that's do, all. But do email us. Do email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts about the X Men or yeah. Kurt Busick or anything with comics or Mar- the MCU sure. or DC movies or whatever. And I apologize. If you were tuning in just for the mailbag portion, I guess stop now. Yeah, it's not happening. You're the only one, I think, that comes in just for that portion. Yeah. But if you're coming in for the mutants part, ooh, you're in luck. This is a good one. <laughs> all right. Uh, enjoy the episode. Screw it. Screw it. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the theme. Oh, good. <laughs> Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, and that's comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast where two brothers talk about a thing they like, and that thing happens to be comic books. I'm one of your hosts, brother, uh, uh, comedian, person, comic fan, Kevin Hines. And I am the other brother, co-host, person, comic fan, comedian will hines yeah we're persons now yeah we finally made it um and we took a week off how do you feel um it it doesn't i don't even remember that we took a week off other than i know we did i feel completely refreshed and i'm gonna be perfect on this podcast i'm i'm the same exhausted as i always am well you look Um, great we just finished up our kurt busick season Mm -hmm. talking about busick yeah that was was fun was fun man he's good He's good at writing comics. I think he should stick with it a little bit. Yeah, give it, keep. He's, I think he's almost proved himself. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do a couple weeks of X-Men talk. Yep. Mutants and, then, and mailbags. And then we'll do something else. And then we're going to talk about She-Hulk probably. Oh, right. Yeah, we're going to do a, a crash course. Or you have a new name for it. I, I change the name every time. I don't remember. I don't look up what I called it in the past. So I don't remember unless it really sticks with me. It's like Milksop. Schooling. Uh, we're, we're schooling ourselves on She-Hulk. Yeah. Crash course, whatever you want to call it, listeners. We're going to do a crash course in She-Hulk to prepare for the new new series. Yeah, we'll read a few issues from each of her a few issues from each of her series that yeah. she's had. She's had a bunch. This is where instead of doing a sort of surface level unprepared job on a single issue, we do it on an entire career of a character. Yeah, and I've read some She-Hulk, but I haven't read the old stuff. I haven't even read the burn stuff, so that'll be interesting to visit some of that. I read like half the Burn stuff, and of course, I read all her appearances in FF under Burn. I yes, didn't read yeah. the original She Hulk stuff. Yeah, I'll be curious to see too. Yeah, I've read Dan Slotron, and I'm, uh, uh, and uh, is that it? I must have read something else. Oh, Charles Soule did a run that was pretty good. You're a real Slot fan. Um, yeah, I like Dan Slot. What do you guys, Slot heads? Thoughts for Slot? Um, Hot for Slot? I, I don't know. I'll have to ask Dan Slot if he ever responds to me ever. Handy Dan's. Yeah. Dan Slott almost did our podcast once. He said, maybe. Yep. Then no. he said, not yet. And then we never... Then he goes, when I'm not so busy, which I think means... Never. Never. Yeah. He's always busy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, maybe it'll happen someday, but... Maybe it'll happen someday, but we're fans of his no matter what. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, we're going to do... A, we'll do a Crash Course in She-Hulk, um, and then we'll do something else. 
But today we're doing a Mutants and Mailbags episode. Kevin, it's been a little bit since we've done one of these. Yeah, and this is a weird... We're doing two episodes and we're not actually doing the main series, so... I don't fully remember where we left off and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't so matter. We're covering. We're going to cover... Today we're going to cover God Loves, Man Kills. Yep. Next week we'll do the Wolverine miniseries that yep. he did, uh, Chris Claremont did with uh, a little-known artist named uh, F. Miller. Yeah, F. Miller. I can't figure out who that might be. Yeah. Let's see, mid-80s, Marvel, violent story. Yeah, it's not, nothing's coming to me. Yeah, I can't quite remember it. Um, uh, I haven't read it yet, so we'll see how that, uh, we'll see what I think of that when I get to it. But we're doing God Loves, Man Kills. This came out in 1982. Uh, I'm not 100% sure where it comes out in the continuity. Before, it, we're, it, earlier than where, we, we missed it. If we read it where it should have slotted in, I think we missed it. That was my way of mentioning Dan Slot again. <laughs> yeah, um... But uh, yeah, because because we didn't what we do in these mutants and mailbags episodes is we half of it, or really ends up being more like seventy five percent of the episode we go over some Chris Claremont X Men and then we read some mail that we've yeah. been accumulating from our listeners, um, yeah and you, and we just usually do episodes of the Uncanny X Men. Yeah, we're just kind of going through Marvel Unlimited and trying to remember to do the annuals, um, and this we've missed and we shouldn't have because this is a big deal. I'm going to look up where the reading order is for uh, God right. Loves Man Kills while you talk about something. Well, I know that this was at least somewhat the basis for X2, the second X-Men movie by Brian Singer, who uh, maybe is not a good person, but that movie is a good movie. Uh, I really love X2. I think it holds up really well. I think it is still one of my all-time favorite superhero movies, and that's without me being a real X-Men fan. I think it is just really well done. Um, there's, It's not... It doesn't follow the plot of God Loves, Man Kills that closely, but it has Stryker as the villain, uh, Magneto sort of working with the X-Men for a while. All those sorts of things are part of this story, and they're also in this comic. So that's kind of cool that it was like, that when they're making that movie and they're like, what do we pull from? I mean, they hadn't done you know the Dark Phoenix saga, but they pulled from this, and I think that shows how important this story is. Yeah, it looks like it kind of goes... It, it, we're actually not too far beyond where this comes in. This sort of is... It's pre-Rogue. Yeah, it's pre-Rogue. It's around Uncanny X-Men 168. Um, it's right after some Dazzler. It's The New Mutants have started when this has started. Oh, okay. Even though they don't factor into this story. But that's about where it ends up taking place. Yeah, I mean, there's no Rogue yet in, in this story. Uh, Cyclops is still with the team. It's unclear who the leader is. If it's Cyclops or Storm, but Storm has her powers. Uh, you know, it's probably around that era of the Morlocks time. Yeah. So, um, what's the basic high level of the story, Kev? What, what are we? What are we? Um, a former military dude, General Stryker, who's become, I guess, like a televangelist, yeah, of sorts, uh, has made it his life's work to. Uh, convince people that the mutants are evil yeah and uh more than just that he wants to kill them all and he tries and the x-men kind of get swept up into it and magneto works with the x-men to stop this from happening uh their arch nemesis teams up with the x-men to kind of stop this all from happening that's the high level version i'm missing a lot of the that, that, details i think that's pretty that's 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 it yeah um and I guess, you know, it's it's slightly more adult than just your standard X-Men comics, which are, they're they're pretty mature anyway. But we've got some, like, 
you know, bad words in here. There's more violence. Yeah. There's it's there's, it's some, more intense. There's some death and the N word are in here. <laughs> yep. Uh, this is part of the Marvel graphic novel line. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how long it ran. It ran I think twenty or thirty volumes, but it was as it like they're basically just like creating graphic novels. Some of them would be creator owned. Some of them would be new ideas. Some of them would be like this. Uh, a graphic novel of their most popular series. Yeah. I believe there was at least one or two of Spider-Man. The New Mutants, I think, original story was a graphic, no- a Marvel graphic novel. Okay. Um, I don't think Excalibur was. Excalibur was much later on. It was. It did start as its own, like, one-shot, but I don't think it was part of this line. Uh, but like, I think, like, maybe Parallel Lives was part of this by Gary Conway um, and Hookie. Uh, which were both Spider-Man ones, I think were part of this. But then also things like, there was like that gang one. I forget what that was called. Again, I've done no research. But I, I remember them like all leaning on a brick wall. <laughs> okay. Not uh, the Runaways? Uh, not the Runaway. No, it was, like, way, way it was like Wolfpack or something okay, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, Alien Legion, I think, had one of these. Uh, uh, yeah, New Mutants things. was number four. This was number five. There you go. Uh, Death of Captain Marvel was number one. I, okay. know, I remember that. Yeah, that was that's one I should have remembered. That's a very big important story in the Marvel mythos. Sensational She Hulk, uh, She Hulk was one number eighteen. Oh, maybe we'll read it yeah. in two in two weeks. Um, yeah, the Futurians is, is one. Sure, yeah. Star Slammers. The Futurians is Dave Cockrum. Yeah, Star Slammers. Walt Walt Simonson. Yeah, so you know your stuff. Kill Raven. Uh, Alan Davis later on would do them do Void, that story, but Void uh, Indigo. No memory of that. Uh, anyway, yeah. Any, anything with wolf in the name? Met Marada the She-Wolf. No, not that. Uh, Alien Legion, A Great Day to Die. No. Wolf. Wolf, wolf pack. pack. Is it in there? Yeah. See? I knew it. 31. Larry Hama. Everyone remembers Wolf Pack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, this is in the time period when I was reading comics, but I don't know. I do remember seeing the death of Captain Marvel. Yes. I think we might have had that. Um, oh, really? I wonder if we liked it. Uh, I feel like it wasn't that great a story. It was just sort of crazy to like kill off this character whose name was Marvel. Yeah. And he died of cancer. Yeah. Uh, I remember the cover. It's like the yeah. Grim Reaper holding him in his lap. Yeah. And everyone's like pointing and laughing. Then and over the next 10 years, every single superhero gets killed one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, right. Flash dies in uh, Crisis and Superman dies a couple times or whatever. I don't but, remember. But Captain Marvel doesn't really come back. I mean, he comes back sort of they fake it out a few times, but he's never really come back. Oh, all right. There's been lots of other cap. People have taken that name. Yeah. Uh, most recently, Carol Danvers has become Captain Marvel, and that feels like it's going to stick. Right. But uh, you know, there was uh, Monica Rambeau was uh, uh, Captain Marvel for I'm so a while. So impressed with how much you can just recall off the top of your head. I think she was Captain Marvel when we started reading comics. Yeah. And leader of the Avengers. Right. So she was a big deal. Sure. Um, My compliment stands. But then, like, Captain Marvel had a son who was Captain Marvel for a while. Okay. Peter David wrote that, so I read that series. And there were other Captain Marvels as well that I can't recall. So, God Loves, Man Kills. This is one, Kevin, that I just read for the first time in preparation for this episode. I really liked it. Uh Um, It is a little bit... It's got some... It's got Claremont strengths and weaknesses, I would say, in terms of the story, which which we've come to know by reading all the Uncanny Mm -hmm. X-Men. But that that generally means it's good. Like if, and and I mean that for this story too. That there are certain aspects of it that I think are a little bit 
I don't know if we. I don't know. There's just certain things that a Claremont story has. That the, there's good and bad things, mm-hmm. but generally it's a really strong one. I definitely remember hearing about this over the years. Like, yeah. I thought I had read this, but when I read it, I, most of it did not ring a bell. So I feel like maybe I meant to read it and never got around to reading it. Okay. What do you, what's your impression of it? I liked it a lot. I was also, the my main takeaway, not to diminish the story, was Brent Anderson's art is fantastic. Right. And I was surprised to see that this is the guy who is the artist for Astro City, which we yes. covered in our final Kurt Busiek episode. So just a couple weeks ago. So we kind of had a, a two for Brent Anderson here without meaning to. Yeah. Brent Anderson also did a few fill-ins for X-Men where his art was fine. Yeah. Uh, I really love his art in Astro City, of course. But like in my mind, I was like, oh, he this guy got really good. But like, who knows? Maybe those were fill-in rushed issues. Yes. Yeah. He put his time into or maybe he just did a different style. This is great, I think. And the style's different than Astro City. The art for this feels moodier and yeah. darker. It's more cinematic. Uh, that's not quite right because the Astro City stuff's very cinematic. But Astro City is often very like sunny yeah. and sort of like hopeful and optimistic. And this is more like kind of bleak and dreary. Yeah. Uh, and the art reflects that. Yeah, I think it's some. It's maybe some of my favorite Brent Anderson art ever. Even after just reading it once, I really love his how he draws Magneto in this story. Now you were you, you you have an excited tone in your voice when you're talking about this. I think you like this maybe more than I expected you to. This book or the art? This book, not the art. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it really worked. Um, I think it's missing some of the the parts of uh, Claremont that I don't like aren't here as much. Okay. Uh, I mean, what's missing? My favorite parts of Claremont stuff is sort of the table setting issues, and this is not one of those. Obviously, no, it's all in one. Um, so you don't have like just sort of. The X-Men sort of hanging out around the mansion, uh, doing mechanic works and playing baseball and ripping trees out of the ground. Right, which is their standard activities for exposition <laughs> That's basically issues. all they do. Yeah. Um, so you're missing that. And I do love those stories. Maybe are my favorite Claremont issues. But other than that, it's, it is missing like... Uh, just like a story that's like, oh, when is this going to wrap up? Or mm-hmm. like... And this wrap up doesn't really make sense to me. Right. Uh, like, how did they win this? Like, yeah, we don't oh, have any of that. There's no space whales. No, so it's not it's not extremely complicated. Yeah. There's there's not sort of loose ends left untied. Yeah, so it's a pretty neat and economical story. Yeah, and I think it's my favorite Magneto story we've read. Okay, so far. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is you know Magneto over the course of Claremont's run goes from being. You know, mustache twirling villain. Yeah, just you're the bad guy of the series, just out to take over the world with no remorse, total bad guy, to, you know, s- gradually becoming a sympathetic character that you root for or at least you understand and who maybe sometimes you even like better than Professor X. Like, it, it gets to the point where, of course, he ends up running the X Men not too far after where we're reading. Yeah. Um, and it's not a crazy thing, you know, and so that's how far the evolution of Magneto goes over the X-Men. And, and this is this is kind of a big step in that direction. Yeah, he's this is like this is the Magneto that we kind of know from the movies, which I feel like is the Magneto I knew first. Yeah, I'd you know read Secret Wars and a few other things with him. But like Ian McKellen's Magneto. Yeah. When he was like, he's clearly a villain, but he's only a villain because he's like on the other side of a line that Professor X stands on. Yeah. It's like they both want the same thing. Just Magneto's like, let's kill the humans to get it. Professor X is like, let's not kill the humans to get it. Right. And that's their that's their the only difference, which seems like a pretty big difference. Yes. To yeah. be fair. <laughs> um, 
But in this story, like Magneto, one, like he's powerful and it's fun to see him working with the X-Men. Yeah. But he's also sort of laid back and chill about it. He's not, you know, he's not up in a satellite in space uh, turning the X-Men into babies. He's just sort of, just, <laughs> he's just like taking apart guns and stuff. Yeah, he's, he's, he's also not quite saying my way or no way. He's like, I would like to work with you. So I want the chance to convince you that my way is right. Yeah. And so I'll work with you right now, even if you don't agree with my way, in the hopes that you'll come around, kind of. So what, what's the first thing that happens? What's like the first couple things? Let's kind of just go in order. So the inciting incident is there's two mutant kids on the run and they are killed. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. For pretty, it's a very brutal opening sequence. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're also, they're, they're black children and yeah. sort of like just seeing them shot down by like yeah. a mob is kind of intentionally or unintentionally reminiscent of It feels of like, intentional. It feels like it couldn't be unintentional. Yeah, so... Um, so the, the first thing you experience reading this is just that it's a bleak and sad murder. Two kids and they talk to each other and they're worried. Their parents are gone. Their parents can't help them now, they say. So we assume those parents are dead. Um, the brother and the sister are trying to help each other. You probably were happy to see the older brother get murdered, I assume. Oh, that was cool. I, I gotta imagine the, the younger sibling was happy at that moment. Right. And um, But then they both get killed. Yeah, it had a twist. Yes, yeah, so it became a tragedy, and that kind of establishes that there is this you know extermination program going on. Mm-hmm. Let's just jump right to a topic that's very difficult to talk about and hard for us to tackle. Sure. So this is this is part of a thing where the X Men are being perse- this the X Men are being persecuted. Yes, and mutants and, and, is and made that, equivalent to like a persecuted minority. Yeah, and that is something that I think that. I think X-Men wisely sometimes plays up and sometimes diminishes. Because I think if you played it up all the time, there'd be lots of holes in the analogy. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really hold up to intense scrutiny. But it certainly works in this story more mostly. Yeah, I was going to kind of defend it here because like, at this time in Marvel's like publication history, this was sort of like new emotional depth. Yeah. For the, it was like to consider the mutants' persecution... Um, kind of like as a metaphor yeah. for how badly we treat, um, you know, races or sexual orientation yeah. uh, was kind of like, oh, that gives this existing mythos some emotional depth. Um, the holes in the analogy come when you try to go back the other way and you're like, wait a minute, so you have superpowers and so I'm supposed to feel bad for you? And yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there's the issue. It's like, oh, like uh, the X-Men movie has like a coming out scene where Iceman comes out to his parents about being a mutant. And yeah. it works in that scene, in that little moment, but it doesn't work with like your Nightcrawler. Yeah, and you look like an, an a monster, basically. Yeah. It also doesn't work if you are a gay mutant or a right. black mutant, and you are experiencing racism or homophobia in addition to the to the yeah. mutant phobia that is exists in the Marvel universe. Like suddenly, it's like, well, one of these things is us to us, the viewer, real. Yeah, yeah. Nobody should be persecuted, <laughs> but like if. Our world was persecuting people that had the ability to kill us with the thought. Yeah. You'd, there'd be a little bit more of like, oh, okay, well, they are actually are, they could really hurt us. Yeah. They shouldn't be persecuted for it, but I can see why people would be more nervous versus like, oh, you just look different than me? Yes. Yeah. Which is like, that makes no sense to be scared of or hate those sort of people. Yeah. So when it, whatever but you... it, it, so the analogy is complicated, but yeah. I think in this comic it works because yeah, I, I, it is a story built around that. Yeah, this, 
this is one where it does work. And I do think it's partly because of when it happened in, in Marvel history. It was like, oh, this is like, yeah, like I say, it's adding some depth. It, it also works because there really is no reference or mention or sight of other superheroes. Because again, it doesn't make sense to hate Cyclops, but be okay with Captain America. Exactly. It's like, well, they both are super powerful. Yeah, right. They both could destroy you if they wanted to. Like, yeah. Why do you like the Human Torch, but you don't like Sunfire? They have the same powers. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't make sense. But since there's no other Marvel men- characters mentioned here, you can sort of forget that. Yeah. Um, this is also kind of a weird, uh, I don't know, again, this is another thing where I, I fear myself being clumsy as I talk about it, but when we read all those 60s Marvel comics, because we read all the mm-hmm. Jack Kirby Fantastic Fours and the Steve Ditko Spider-Man and, and the first little scrap of Hulk stories, yeah. um, it's a real, like, whitewashed world. Like, almost yeah, yeah. everybody's white, not to mention male. Yeah. Um, and so, like, even in a clumsy... There's some, there's some jealous females. There's some jealous females, yes. <laughs> And uh, by the end of the 60s, you start to have, like, black uh, and Latino uh, people in the crowd in Manhattan. Yeah, at the very least. And then, like, Black Panther shows up and over in Wakanda, which is why that was kind of like a welcome step in the right direction at that time. But um, just even – okay, so this is, like, just even addressing that there is racism is kind of like this huge step towards reality in these stories that made X-Men way more exciting than, like, Spider-Man, which is still sort of, like – at this time, you know, kind of middle-aged conservative politics. Yeah. Um, you know, no, cops are good and like most people are good and evil doesn't really happen. Here in the X-Men, it's like, no, evil happens. People are killed. People are hated. Yeah. And there's something refreshing about it. Yeah. I mean, it's also impressive that uh, it's impressive that Claremont wrote the story. It's impressive his editor supported him. And it's impressive that Marvel okayed this. In a big form. I mean, of course, this is a top-selling title. There's tons of clout. Right, to back but like, up. all these kids love our comic. Let's put out this comic where a couple of black kids get killed in the first page. Yeah, right. It is kind of... Br- and it's treated brutally. It's not treated this... It's like, not treated in a cavalier way. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, later on in the book, uh, Kitty Pride Throws down the N-word. Throws down the N-word. Yeah. Uh, which they've now sort of blurred in reprints and online, but was not blurred when it first came out. Yeah. Um... And again, that word is treated like a awful thing to say. And it's a not cavalier, thing. you know. And, and she's doing it to make an intellectual point. She's not like yeah. But it is tough to read a comic where like the the young innocent character we sort of connect with says that word. Yeah. And you're like ugh. Even in that context, don't say it. But I think what you were saying here at the beginning of this is like it's pretty impressive that Marvel did this, right? Yeah. Like they were kind of. Um, they were still a small, scrappy company in a lot of ways. Even though they were the number one comics company and making a ton of money, they still operated like kind of a gutsy little indie place where they would roll the dice on stuff like this. And it, none of the stuff that we're talking about, I don't think, to me at least, what do I know? But it doesn't come across as like shock value. Like, oh, no, not at all. oh wow, I can't believe they went there. No, 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 no. It, it, it's done with like, heart, I guess, it, and it, feeling. And, and like that's the story we're telling. Yeah, yeah, this is at the center of the story. We're not yeah. doing this on the side just to juice up a normal punch in the bad guy story. This is like, we're talking about persecution. Yeah, like, okay, it is the metaphor. The persecution against the mutants that gets that happens in here, you know, it feels a little silly if you say that's the same as the persecution against being black in America. However, what they do with that in the story is they go after televangelists, mass media, mm-hmm. the f- using fear, um... Uh, trying to win a war of ideas in addition to just beating an individual. Yeah, uh, they go after some pretty, some pretty tough stuff and pretty uh, 
kind of complicated stuff. Do we want to go through the story in more detail, or do we want to just sort of talk on high points and low points? I'm going to go... We should go through it in a little more detail. All right. Um, so what happens next? So like these kids get killed, shot, uh, by the by Stryker's force. We find out later is Stryker's force, and then Magneto is inve- is right on the heels of this, finds the bodies, and is like, I'm going to find who did this and stop it. And I'm already in the process of doing this, and I vow to you, dead children, there will be no more. Yeah. Um, and then we go to Stryker, and we find out a little bit about the, our main bad guy, you know, this like televangelist, former military person, yeah. that he's that he has got his sights set on getting rid of the X-Men. Yeah, he knows about the X-Men, and he thinks, well, these are the most high-profile mutants, let's take them out. Then we cut to the X-Men, and they're sort of dealing with, we see how they have been dealing just with the persecution against mutants. Kitty Pride's in the dance studio, and there's a kid who works... Is this after Professor X goes on TV? Before. Oh, I- Hi, this is Kevin. I'm here with my brother, Will, and we are the hosts of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, our weekly podcast about comic books. And we want to hear from you. We have a slew of social media accounts, a slew. You can email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at screwitcomics or tweet at us at screwitcomics. So tell us what you think of the comics you like or the comics you don't or things we've talked about on our episodes. Or send us some life advice. You can tell that we need it. Yes. Uh, We might read your message on a future episode of our show. So thanks. In advance from Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Yeah, Kitty Pryde's in her dance studio with Stevie Nelson, the teacher that Storm is sometimes jealous of for Kitty's affection for no given reason, and that maybe has faded away. But um, And a kid in there is making comments about dirty mutants without knowing that Kitty Pryde is a mutant. Sure, yeah. Does Stevie Nelson know she's a mutant? I don't think she does. (sighs) Maybe. But um, I think she does know. Okay, well, Kitty Pride takes a swing at this kid. Yeah. And then Stevie Nelson has to separate them, and then Colossus happens to be walking down, and Kitty Pride is infuriated that this kid is not being, like, thrown out, or, you know, she's just, she's she's filled with rage. And her big brother won't beat up this kid or whatever. Big brother, boyfriend, right? It's Kitty Pride. Oh, yeah, sorry. Ileana's, uh, yeah, well, there you go. There's my problem with it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, her boyfriend, her love, her love interest won't defend her. And this is where she throws down the N-word. Like, the teacher's kind of like saying, hey, there's no need to get violent, and you're overreacting. And it's just, she's like basically, yes, this kid is wrong, but there's no need to resort to violence. And Kitty Pride says, what if he said, what if he said N-lover? What if he called you an N-lover? Yeah. What would you think about that? Like, to me, this is just as bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even like, you know, I'm like, woo, Kitty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it's definitely something, I guess that helps us, it's like, oh, this is a graphic novel, Marvel. Yeah. This is not monthly issue, Marvel. Yes. And it, this is 1982, right? Like, I mean, I, you'd still hear the N-word, like, on definitely in movies. And you'd even hear it on television sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Like, SNL would have it every Yeah, I mean, now. it's more just reading it now versus, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised it's in this adult comic so it, much as, like... It already was becoming a thing where when you use it, it already was, like, a nuclear bomb that you yes. used for that purpose, even at this time in stories. And then that that is the effect. Kitty is, like... Yeah. So we've had a brutal murder of two kids, and now the N-word early in this story. So yeah, it does yeah. kind of set the tone of, like, anything could happen in this story yeah, yeah. is what it feels like. Um, Stevie and, and Colossus tries to apologize for Kitty. Look, she didn't mean that. I'm sorry. And Stevie's like, yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. But I know that she also is upset. And they talk about it a little bit. And they're being trailed by Stryker's team. 
we go back to the X mansion and they kind of have a discussion about stuff. Yeah. Oh, this is where Professor X is about to go on TV debating with Stryker. Right, to debate mutants. And nobody knows Professor X is a mutant in this in, in They know Marvel he defends Universe. them. Yes. Uh, but they don't know that he is. I mean, you'd think they could put it together at some point, but... he We know that he loves mutants and maybe even teaches them and trains them. And um, <laughs> he's in a wheelchair. And... I sometimes have heard mention of Professor X. And <laughs> he often and is his... missing for months at a time when... Uh, and this guy is Professor Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His X-Men are mutants that are out there. Uh, well, I mean, of the mutants that you'd be scared of, the telepath who can read anybody's mind would probably be number one on this list. Sure, for sure. I mean, he does have the power just to read anybody's brain, right? And it's only through his own morals that he doesn't do it. Yeah. And he could force you to think and feel he things. He can control I mean, what you think about. He can powerful. erase your memory of things. He could make you love mutants. Yeah, he's cra- And once you attach Cerebro and, like, amplify him, he's crazy powerful, right? Yeah, for sure. He's got to be the scariest mutant next to Phoenix in yeah, terms of, like, probably, an unleashed yeah. power. Yeah, but he's nice. But he's nice, so we don't care. So this is an interesting thing where the X-Men have gathered in their quite nice living room to watch what looks to me like an early flat screen TV, which in 1982 would be striking. Um, And they watch Nightline. It must be in set into the wall, but it does look flat screen. You're right. I mean, they got to have, I mean, you got to think Reed Richards has invented flat screens, right? Or Tony Stark or somebody. I mean, (laughs) and they're not giving it to everyone. Only the X-Men get it. Only the superheroes get it. That's not right. So this people should be, that's who should be. People should hate is the FF for holding out on the flat screens. Uh, yeah, and Professor X does a bad job. Like afterwards, they're like, "Oh, Professor X came off as scary, and uh, Stryker came off as like smooth and reasonable." And emotional, yeah. Um, and then th- this is like a thing we've seen all the time. Like some people are good at television; they're good at like manipulating yeah. the audience. They're good at like little sound bites. Yeah, and it and it's kind of separate from whether they actually have a point. There's a thing throughout this comic where we we. It's like faceless people who seem to be supporting Stryker, but everyone who like has dialogue often is like, uh-oh, this guy's too convincing. Like The police say this later on. Yeah. I think some of the television crew might say this. Yeah. They're like, uh-oh. This, some, there's, there's this guy's a, winning everyone over. There's frequently people who are watching who are not only saying that, but they're like, this guy is bad. Yeah. We they're know, like, he. we, we think he's it. bad, but we think he's winning. Yes. Um. So, I don't know. That That's kind of... In a weird way, entertaining, because we've seen this in real life. We see this yeah. all the time. If there's a politician that you don't like, I won't mention any Trump. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> I won't mention any names. But if there's a politician that you don't approve said of... said whoops, because that's the opposite of what you meant to say, right? You uh, love... I love Trump. Huge <laughs> pro-Trumper. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, but for real, like it, separate from whatever your yeah, particular yeah. ideologies are, if there is a somebody who's gaining a lot of cultural influence... Sure. And you don't like them. It does. It you. It's scary. There's like this yeah, manipulation I mean, that happens. And it's, Kennedy was like that, right? Like, I mean, generally we liked Kennedy, but like he was just a smooth talker. Right. It was the thing where he and Nixon debated, and people yeah. who heard it on the radio assumed Nixon won, and people who saw it on television assumed Kennedy won. Yeah, just like this guy's charismatic and convincing. yeah, this is a good-looking, charming, yeah. uh, smart guy versus Certainly like helped. a sweaty, unshaven, unattractive. Certainly helped Obama. Yeah, he was like um, a very charming, uh, well-spoken, like convincing, uh, uh, just a great speech giver. Yeah, and it like and it, Trump sort of the opposite. Like he doesn't look cool and smooth, but like people loved his like. He's sort not of, smooth, but he has good ter- television charisma. Yeah, like he is a got, television celebrity. He's good at like taglines and <laughs> great at sound bites and weird dumb yeah. nicknames and like Ugh. I mean he is good at like getting attention for himself and, and manipulating. Yeah, so um. 
and and there's no shortage of examples in that realm. So like X Men are right squarely here. So the X Men have watched it and they are scared. They're like are they're mad. So they go to the danger room to work off some steam. Yeah. Um, they have a fun little danger room sequence where they all have little individual challenges and the way that they work is they have to solve each other's challenges and then it's easy to do. Um, right. And then professor X being driven home from the TV studio is in a car crash and apparently dies. Is he with Scott and Jean? Yeah. Yes. Him. Yeah. Scott and Jean went to the taping with him. Scott and Jean or Scott and storm. Sorry. sorry. Scott and storm. Jean is dead. Jean. Yes. Yes, she's dead. Super dead. Good, 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 good. Good. Yes, she you were in favor. She <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, so um, there's a car crash, which, uh, which uh, apparently, um, and, yeah. it's, and Stryker's gang is like setting this up, and there's people with guns. And we in see the like trees we see stuff. like Scott and Storm get shot, mm-hmm. and like we saw people get shot in the beginning, and they were dead. So it seems like well, they're dead. Yeah. And Though, we, like many X Men comics, a page later we find out they are not. Right, we find out later this is a setup and they're actually okay, but it looks to us like they're dead and looks to the world like they're dead. And the X-Men in their mansion hear that the X- Professor X and Scott and Storm are dead. Although, it feels like every couple of years, half the team thinks the other half is dead and don't figure it out for They don't look months. into it much. Though, at least in this case, they do go to investigate. Wolverine, Colossus, and Nightcrawler go to check out the thing and Wolverine quickly realizes they're this not dead. This is a dead. setup, they're yeah, not this dead. This is fake. He uses his smell power. And uh, they're... The X Men are really smart and good in this issue. Uh, they're like Nightcrawler is already like waiting on the outskirts in case Kitty and Wolverine investigating stirs something up. Like they're already uh, anticipating like yeah. foul play and how to intercept bad guys. Not Kitty. Um, Colossus. Colossus. Yeah, Colossus and Wolverine. Meanwhile, Kitty and Ilyana find like a device outside of the mansion that's like watching them just spying on them and they they disable it they disable to then wait to see who comes to fix it and then Ilyana gets captured and then kitty goes after her right and gets sort of captured herself yeah and at least a little track of here what goes on but basically all the x-men are kidnapped by striker's forces yeah and like there's a sequence where they're basically he's trying to brainwash professor x to like do things for him which is also the plot of like x2 to some sequence like he they're tricking professor x into like killing all the mutants yeah and in this case he's just brainwashing professor x to be like his psychic weapon just in general yeah to to kill to kill mutants though to kill mutants but also like to maybe to kill people and make it seem like mutants have done it like just to do whatever this guy needs it's pretty gutsy to try to capture the world's most powerful telepath and brainwash him into doing what you want like um, yeah, because if it doesn't work, then you've got the world's most powerful telepath angry at you. Yep, <laughs> right. It seems like a, it's real, a, a high risk, high yield. It also, it, it's like I'm going to capture the world's best chess player, beat him at chess. <laughs> by doing that, he will. It's like play chess for me. Yeah, know? and it's like, well, you're doing the thing he's the best at. I mean, it works. It does work. He's able to brainwash him, kind of Picard. There are four light style. Like, yeah. Um, so we see him get brainwashed, Striker. Uh, gets control over him. Then we see his backstory, right? And Stryker's got kind of That's a, an interesting backstory. Yeah, he was like a military guy. And he fell in love and his wife gave birth to a mutant. Of We don't quite see the details. We don't see it, but a mutant that looked like a mutant. Like a nightcrawler type yeah. of mutant. And he kills the baby and the mother. Yeah. And leaves them and to... Go, and goes to kill himself. Right. Oh, and there's they're in a car wreck that, that starts the birth early, I yeah. think. And so he tries to kill... So, then, so there's no hospital. There's no doctors or nurses. Like yes. His wife just gives birth on the side of the road near a car wreck. 
Yes. And he tries to kill himself in the car wreck and doesn't and survives and then feels guilty over having killed his child and wife and sort of convinces himself that... That he was right. That he was right to do it. And the only reason that he would have done something so horrible is that because it needed to be done. Yeah. And so that set him on his mission of killing all mutants. Yeah. Kind of an interesting... Like, he's brainwashed himself. Yes. Uh, And it is an in-typical sort of Claremont slash Marvel comic style... It's fast. Like people, oh, yeah. people change their opinions fast and deep in yes, Marvel yes, comics. Yes. Um, okay, so now we're, we're kind of into the action. Now we've got all we've got. Oh, Kitty is still on the run. Kitty's not captured. I, this is where I start. I lose well, track. Yeah, a Kitty. Bit of the... Kitty fouled along and got gassed, or they tried to gas her, and they thought they'd captured her, but she like just didn't breathe the gas, and then she escapes into the city. Some gang gets killed for protecting her. Right, so Stryker's gang is trying to capture and kill her because she's the lone one. Yeah, when I say gang, I meant like a street gang. Like a a New York, like the Warriors, like. Gets killed by like these soldiers. By the Stryker people. Yeah, she's on a subway and a cop tries to defend her. He gets killed. And throughout this, we've sort of skimmed by the Magneto of it all is that Magneto has approached the X Men being like, I'll help you. And he keeps kind of swooping in and saving them, right? Yes. Um,. Professor X gets successfully brainwashed, or that's what it looks like. Yes. Um, I was not ready to do a great uh, plot summary, so I'm not doing excellent here. Yeah, they, he makes Professor X kill a Storm and Scott, and he doesn't do it. But he yeah. makes it seem like they're dead. What he, does he still is, has a little bit of control. Yeah, like, consciously, he. It, what seems like is happening is consciously he wants to kill them. He's been brainwashed. But some deep in his, deep in his subconscious yeah. won't let him do it. So he reduces their life functions to a barely detectable level. So they're alive, but they look dead. Yeah. So it looks like he killed them. Stryker is satisfied. But yeah. really, he's protecting them. Yeah, and so they're able to, like, wake up and escape. Um. Magneto here is getting involved. He's giving his big speech over like, you know, what's wrong with us being the dictatorship? Why shouldn't we be in charge? Yeah. You know, they're not doing a good job with themselves in charge. He's they like, have... once I'm in charge, I'll be a good guy. Right. Is what he's saying. He's, it's the Dr. Doom approach. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me be in charge and I'll do it right. Um, okay, Stryker's got a big thing at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, there's a lot of Bible quoting and, and speech that I sort of glazed over a bit during... A lot of that, like a lot of Stryker's speeches. Um, but Stryker's got like a rally at Madison Square Garden where he's going to... Sold out. Yeah. We're talking Billy Joel type audience here. <laughs> yeah. um, we see this a lot in Marvel Comics. Uh, the bad guys, you know, they give a speech and people are ready for lectures in the <laughs> yeah. Marvel Universe. J. Jonah Jameson would give lectures on how Spider-Man was a coward and would apparently sell out like <laughs> places, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. And so the Marvel universe is populated with people who are really into discourse and yeah, they, they are, to go they're they're ready. Ready. <laughs> they want to hear the speeches. So he's in a, but he's in a, you know, it looks like a big kind of religious revival in MSG and, and Magneto confronts him in what is an incredible panel. I yeah. think Magneto just descends out of the ceiling, like he opens the ceiling, garden. he opens the ceiling up and floats in, and just says "striker," and it's. I mean, this is my favorite panel of the of the comic, and it's yeah. just like it looks terrifying. Like he is in the background, coming towards us, striker at the podium, and it's like, oh, striker, you are in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but striker has Professor X on his side and does like a psi blast. 
PSI blast on Magneto. Who can withstand it, but is hobbled. But he also thinks to himself, like, this hurts more than it's ever hurt. He's like, I think Professor X normally holds back when he attacks me. Uh, nice little, like, nice little character moment. So we have like the X Men kind of infiltrating MSG and trying to get to Striker and save everybody, right? So like, and then like Professor X does something to like hurt all the mutants, and, and it hurts like Striker's right hand woman. Yeah, revealing that she is also a mutant, but she didn't know it. Right, and Striker kills her. Yeah, um, it really. This is like a no doubt about it, bad guy. You know, yeah. we've like as opposed to Magneto, who's sort of gaining nuance and like character. Striker is like. You have no sympathy as a reader. You're just like, forget this guy, man. This uh, guy. There's like a fun moment where to save Professor X, they have to um, try to kill him. Like Wolverine goes to like stab Professor X. Yeah. While Cyclops is doing some trick shot to like disable whatever's got him brainwashed. Yeah. Uh, because if they didn't do that, Professor X would know it was happening. So they have to come at him like from many angles. And like yeah, the they, talk have to, is like, uh, they have to threaten him so much that he is fully occupied with defending him. So he has to like stop one of those things, and he stops Wolverine, but that keeps him, una- uh, that gives Cyclops the Window, opening to, yeah. to knock him up. But if it had gone the other way, he could have stopped Cyclops and been killed. But either way, he would have been, the problem would have been taken care of, and that was their plan. Like, kill him or save him. This is our one shot. Yeah, and he's so powerful, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, and of course, if anybody in the X Men is willing to be the guy who kills Professor X when it needs happening, it's Logan. Yeah, and but also Cyclops made the whole plan. Yeah, and it's a brutal plan, but he, like he's like, "Ugh, we got to do this," and I like that too. This is a good Cyclops comic too. Um, so then they kind of they disable Professor X. So they've stopped the physical threat of Striker, but now it's like the war of ideas. He's got yeah. this arena full of people who are listening to him. Yeah. So they and and they have to kind of like try to make a speech here in front yeah. of this crowd to win him over, right? Yeah. So they're like, and he points right at Nightcrawler. You call this thing human? Yeah, I mean Nightcrawler looks like a walking devil. <laughs> yeah, it smells like brimstone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he is also super nice. And yeah, he is one of the most charming and sort of affable personalities. Yeah, like, are... Logan is far more monstrous a personality. Than... But he kind of looks human. Right, right. So Kitty defends Nightcrawler. Um, so what, Stryker, Stryker raises his gun and is going to shoot who? Kitty? Or just the X-Men? Uh, Nightcrawler, I think. It's hard to tell from this. Uh, I can't remember now. No, he's aiming at Kitty, I think. But it will go right through Kitty. Uh, okay, I don't know what he's doing. He aims his gun, and then a, a cop takes him down. Yeah, a cop shoots him. And he's like, he, this guy was about to shoot somebody. Yeah, he raised his gun and pointed somebody. It's like, has, this is not mutant, anti-mutant. You're breaking the laws of yeah. New York City. Um, cops are always good, so that works co- out. Cops are good in Marvel Comics, generally <laughs> speaking. So the cop shooting somebody, this is like the end of Die Hard. Uh, a cop killing somebody is a happy ending. And, and this, even, man, you know, no mutants have done anything dangerous. They've helped people and protected people from the people running around and being scared. They've protected everyone during this whole sequence. Yeah, and this is a world where superheroes exist. Yes, though they're not mentioned in this, so I think that is downplayed. I think in it's this downplayed, ro- in like, this room, the mutants haven't done anything wrong but help people. But we got good cops here on on yeah. display. Uh, they they basically are like, "What about the muties?" Somebody in the crowd says after Striker is done, "What about them? They've done as much or as little as you clowns. As far as I'm concerned, they're free to go. Good luck to them. They'll need it." Yep. So it's kind of resolved, like. Stryker has been shot and he's either killed or at least subdued. Um, he's maybe been revealed to be kind of a bad guy that he just opened fire on somebody. I mean, he's been shot, right? He's dead. Uh, is he killed? Yes, okay. 
He went. I mean, yeah, he went down. Yeah, I think he's dead. But I, who knows? Comics don't. There's no way to know for sure. We could reread it, but I'm not going to do that. So then Magneto and Professor X and all the X-Men are back in the mansion. And Magneto once again says, so what do you say, Xavier? It got pretty bad there. You're going to do it my way? And Xavier reaches his hand out as if he's thinking about it and then goes, no, can't do it your way. And Magneto says, all right, I'll yeah. come back again. But Professor X kind of agrees with him before that verbally. Yeah. But the mutants, the X-Men are like, we don't agree with him, Professor X. We still want to do it your way, even if you're second guessing yourself. Yeah. And so that, that convinces Professor X to stick with his plan it's a very cool story yeah i like that professor x was the one with doubts yeah and nobody else did it's pretty cool like claremont is good at that yeah he, you know you can't it's not guaranteed who's gonna fall down on the the side of hero or villain um yeah so that's god loves man kills right yep that's it um I love the last line, by the way. Uh, Cyclops is out on the balcony kind of thinking things, and Storm comes out and just basically says, I want, I want you to know that you're my friend and I care about you. And um, That's what it's all about, really, says Cyclops. Needing and helping, caring for one another. And Storm says, from that caring comes love. And I think it's Cyclops that says, which makes the world go round. And Storm goes, if only that were so. Like kind of a cynical ending yeah. there at the end, which I kind of dig. Yeah. It reminds me of the ending of The Sun Also Rises, Kevin, by sure. a little guy named Ernest Hemingway, where a lady... Drawn by Frank Miller. I drawn mean. by Frank Miller, I believe, is the original artist for that novel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last line is, uh, isn't it pretty to think so? When, like, uh, the male character tells a oh, lady, yeah. Brett Ashley, what if we could be in love? And she's I, like, I yeah. mean, Claremont seems like the sort of person who would be homaging that there. I bet you he was. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like a shout out to the end of Sun Also Rises. But anyway, um, I liked it. I'm Me glad too. we read it. I'm, I liked it too. Okay, that's our hot take. We like one of these seminally well-regarded <laughs> graphic novels from the yeah, again, from old Marvel. 80s X-Men. That, that should have been popular. Yeah, we, I And it was. Yes, it was a huge hit. <laughs> Possibly thanks to this podcast. Probably people have gone back in time and read the X-Men because of us. Yeah. Even though we have no effect on the current market. That's right. Um, time travelers love our podcasts. <laughs> then I think, I think we're not going to do mail... All right, so no mailbags for this episode of Mutants and Mailbags. No mail. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a cold open where we say that. Yeah. Um, and uh, Okay, but next episode, we, we're going to do the Wolverine and Frank Miller miniseries. And we'll definitely do mail. Okay, yeah. Because we did do mail during the Curb Music series, so we weren't as yeah, far behind. Yeah, we're not behind we that far behind. Been. All right, so. And we just got a heart out today. Next episode uh, is uh, the Wolverine miniseries, yeah. if you want to read along. And uh, we'll see you there. Bye, everyone. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics.